Hi, this is Cameron. And I'm Jorge Luis. Today, we're going to wrap up our discussion on culture and look at 10 more personal cultural preferences. Let's start diving into this and let's start now. Hopecast. Learning about the life and mission of education equals hope. Welcome to the Education Wolves Hope Hopecast. I'm Cameron Graham Vivanco. And I am Jorge Luis Rodriguez. I'm the co-founder of Equals H and the director of the program here in Ecuador. And I am the coordinator of teams and training for Equals H in Ecuador as well. Equals H exists to provide for the education of those in desperate and difficult situations. And the reason why we do this podcast is to keep all of our listeners, supporters, and friends all over the world informed as to what is happening with our ministry here in Ecuador and in the world. Because we could not do it without you. So thank you very, very much. Um, Jorjito. Yes, Cameron. We are back again to continue this conversation. This will be our third and last episode, uh, taking a little dive into culture and how oh, yeah. culture so deeply impacts how and why, how and why, yeah, how and why we do ministry. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's just really exciting to back up and be able to look at this for a few minutes. And it's very um, cool to be able to share this with everybody listening, right? Um, I always like to share this information, not just because we're training you to think in a better way. No, that's <laughs> not the point. The point is that everybody that is involved with Equal Sage um, deserves to know how we have been growing. And most of, of people listening to this, this podcast have already been... Um, on the, in this country or part of something that Equals H does. So it's just incredible to have all the same information mm -hmm. and being able to hold hands and to continue and to grow with everything that we do. Here, here. Absolutely. So two episodes ago, we looked at the three colors of worldview. Mm -hmm. And again, all of this is from a company called Knowledge Works. This is called a cultural mapping inventory that uh, this is the continuing education that our multicultural staff including Celeste, our executive director, has we've walked through together and continue to walk through um, so that we can work even better together mm -hmm. so that we can um, provide for the education of those in desperate and difficult situations with more integrity and, and better, better, better. So those three colors are worldview, innocence, guilt, power, fear, honor, shame. We all three, we all have those, all three of those in us mm -hmm. and to differ, differ in, differentiate, there's a D word I'm looking for, <laughs> to different degrees. Um, and, and so those drive us, but then we're in the middle of a conversation about the 12 dimensions of personal culture, yep. your personal not just what's out there and the food you eat and the language you speak and how you cross the street, but your part, like how you prefer. And last week we looked at growth, whether you prefer um, growth to be a personal people growth, HR side of life or material growth and buildings and projects and tangible things. Um, we spent some time looking at relationships. Do you prefer relationships to be universal um, so that everyone has all the information about you at all times, whether that's the, the people, it's not about the depth of relationship. We're not mm -hmm. talking about um, 
the grocery store clerk you don't know well versus your best friend who knows you very well. We're talking about spheres of connecting. Like mm-hmm. if you saw the grocery clerk, store clerk at church, would you be as friendly? In which situation would you be more friendly with them? Is it appropriate just in the grocery store or you see them in another sphere? So are you more situational and you want to keep relations within a certain sphere or are you more universal and you want to, um, to have all of your worlds mix and blend all the time? Mm-hmm. So that's where we left off. We have 10 more to go. And let's start now. <laughs> um, the next one is called Outlook. Um, as you look in the, at the world, are you more innovation focused, future forward focused? Or are you more tradition focused, <laughs> context focused? And why are you laughing? <laughs> Just to be curious, Cameron, which is your preference here? Put a sock in it, Jorjito <laughs> Luis. <laughs> I might be uh, somewhat famous for being fairly traditional. <laughs> true, true. Um, what I like about this dimension is that the information here is you are more leaning into something that you know that is proving to work or you're ready to just like destroy everything that you know and create something new. If it ain't broke, break it. Exactly. <sighs> and no, you are No, that's useful <laughs> the way it is. And you are more in tradition, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I am right in the middle, which means that according to the situation, I lean on something that I know, something that is proven, something that I've heard before, something that I've been taught, or sometimes that just destroy everything and create something from scratch, you know, according to the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this, this uh, dimension is actually why... Uh, I pushed really hard for us to do this as a as a staff. Um, the directors of Youth World, there are nine departments, and mm-hmm. we have a director's team that forms the leadership team for the whole organization. And as the directors, um, uh, Aaron Passmore, who was our team director, had us go through this training. And uh, Hannah Zook, who we've had on the show, and she um, is in charge of Enslavery Ecuador, mm-hmm. uh, formerly known as Casa Dalia. But they've certainly grown in more areas, as we've discussed on the show. But uh, she and I both missed one particular meeting. And so we had to go to a makeup session together. (laughs) And it was me and Hannah and the facilitator, a phenomenal, phenomenal facilitator named Allison Crino, who uh, works with One Collective. But as we were looking at this, and Hannah is way over the innovation side, and I'm way over on the tradition side. And it was just an aha moment of, as Hannah is directing this organization, the Enslavery Ecuador organization, she's so innovative and so excited about changing and moving forward and being able to serve the women better, mm-hmm. that it doesn't occur to her that other people have other preferences. Right. And so as we're kind of like falling behind her being like, wait, wait, what about, what about, tell us the, uh, wanting the context, what happens to this? What did like more of the moving from the past, moving forward, both yeah. of them are future forward, whether you have a traditional or a innovative point of view, both parts are looking right. forward, but are you going to base from what you know has been tried and true in the past or are you going to, like you just said, start over? And Hannah is more on this start over. And that's exactly what they did. They, 
They had a staff retreat for a month. They met every day for a month to come up with the new system. And Anna, Hannah was on like cloud nine. She just loved that. Right. And just as much as it never occurred to her to do it my way, it never occurred to me to do it her way. And it was like, oh, this is where the rubs have come. Because mm-hmm. I think like the number one thing you need to do is go back to your constituents and explain what's happening. Yeah. And she's like, the number one thing I need to do is to find out the best way to serve these women. True. And it was like, they're, they're both very valid points, but it's our personal, our cultural, personal, personal cultural right. preference. Right. And when we are in leadership, we have to be aware that some people, you know, underneath us in some ways, they will not understand what we're doing if we don't explain it right. Mm-hmm. So uh, something that I really like about this training is that it taught us how to stretch from one side to the other according to the need. And the main thing that I heard there was to respect the other, per- the other person's point of view mm-hmm. and make, um, make sure that you respect their point of view. And when you do that, you're able, able also to explain what you are doing in a way that they will understand it. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we just explain what we want to explain and this is what I want and that's it. But it's better just to understand that the other person sees it in a different way. So they need a different kind of information to understand where we're going and how we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. The next one is destiny. Do we? Do you feel like your destiny is directed? Like predestination? <laughs> like this is someone else is directing it. Or is it directive? Like, do you have the power to change your future? Do you, are, are you just dealt? These are the cards you're dealt and so be it. Or do you have the, the impetus? And it's not about um, your own strength or our resources or intelligence. It's just the mindset. Are you capable? Are you allowed to direct your future? Or is it directed for you? Mm-hmm. And that's a cultural preference. It is. It didn't occur to me that it would, you know? It didn't occur to me that it would be cultural, but mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. And especially if you're coming from an honor-shame society that, like, very much it is directed. Like, this is who you are. This is your identity from birth. And all you can do is do, play within these these rules. Aligning to that. And, yes. al- yeah, and aligning to it. Whereas other people are born into systems where, like, no, the like change your stars. That's one of Roberto's favorite movies, A Knight's Tale. Like, he can change his stars. Did you change your stars, Will Thatcher? Um, so destiny. The next one is context. Uh, is mm. a f- <laughs> I love context. Um, is context something formal to be uh, explained, or is it informal to be discovered? Mm-hmm. And I love context so much that I'm just right in the middle. You're right in the middle. Wow. I can stretch to either way. Right. I am very informal. Yeah. Yeah. I like to be be able to discover those things little by little. And the formality makes me feel that I'm doing something that someone else is putting on me. You know, like just as we were seeing in Destiny, um, being formal makes me feel that I'm directed. Mm-hmm. Instead of being informal, makes me just discover whatever has to be new and whatever works and whatever is like innovative and is mm-hmm. good. Um, one of the examples I give a formal style means people tend to dress and dress and address people formally, whereas an informal style they you address and address 
people informally, like you would rarely use titles. Right. And so interesting that that's your personal preference is be more informal, Mm -hmm. but you're in a power for your culture where you constantly have to align. And so it's not necessarily a, a title, but it is a title. Like my Tia, my aunt, my doctor, right. my friend, my dear one. Every time you talk to the secretary of the bus company, I don't ever, I've never heard you talk, call her Gabby, me Gabby, me Carida, me Carida Gabby, my dear, dear Gabby. Oh, you're yeah. like always aligning to her, like reminding her that you have this relationship. And she says the same thing to you. Right, right, right. And it has to do a little bit more. And I, I want to say this with, with um, you know, being careful. But it has to do more with possession, who you belong to and who belongs to you, more than addressing, you know, the title, the formal title. Um, I just have to say that the school that I was um, from very little to high school, they would tell us, different to any other school in the country or in the city, um, where you were supposed to talk to your teachers as... Um, licenciado, you know, like, I don't know what would be the... We, we don't do that. We just say, like, right? Miss Marion, can I go to the bathroom? Yeah, but here, are... it's like, here is the title, here is the degree that you have, and I'm going to call you by Mr. Bachelor, Mr. Masters, That's Mr. You, PhD. Exactly. You talk to people like that, but in my school, we were just talking to people by their names. Wow. Not even sir, you know, no mister, no. It was just like... So countercultural. Beatriz, you know, so that is what, like, changed the entire way that I see things, and and that's what is what I could prove here in this little test. Oh, so interesting. What's uh, the next one? The next one is connecting. Are you an inclusive connector or an exclusive connector? Um, by that, an, an exclusive style would be define people by what they do and share information on a need-to-know basis, where inclusive is more define people by who they are, comfortable with free-flowing communication and sharing even sharing information, even if people are not directly involved in the issue, mm-hmm. um, inclusive and exclusive. And, and again, that has to do with power structure, but these are cu- like, I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me that these are cultural pieces. I right, thought right. these were like Absolutely. just personal personality, stuff. personality mm-hmm. things, but it's both It's personal culture. So gosh, I mean, books and books and books are written on communication. Um, the next one is expression. Are you someone who conceals your expressions or your emotions or you reveal them? A revealing style means people tend to communicate verbally and non-verbally and emotions flow easily without an inhibition. Whereas a concealing is they don't reveal what they're feeling. Admire people when they're, they admire people when they're composed and in control um, and seen as a sign of professionalism. Right. How do you feel about that? Um, it's it's hard to understand because in my in in my personality, in my brain, in my culture that I carry with me wherever I go, um, if you hide something, it's just becoming so heavy that you will not be able to function well and freely. Uh-huh. So I am more leaning into the reveal side because I feel. Um, at some point in my life, I was just oppressing, suppressing all those feelings um, that now I am like, I'm going to express them all, all out, you know, mm-hmm. that's where I'm leaning on. And again, it's to stretch it. Not, one is not right, right and one is not mm-hmm. wrong. It's just how do you, how do you interact with somebody across that dimension? And what's really fun is I have a, a dear, dear friend who I love very much who would identify as conceal, but I think 
think they are the only person that thinks that they're concealing. <laughs> like everyone else around them knows very no, you're, clearly you're very expressive. what the emotion is. But but the concept is, no, I'm concealing this so nobody knows, so I'm not putting my stuff on anybody else. And so their concept of concealing is 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 it's true for them, but not for the people around them. So right. just so interesting. So many layers. It's so, so interesting. Um, the next one we're going to look at is decision-making. Um, do you, and this is going to be really hard for North Americans. <laughs> do you do decision-making by the rules or by the relationship? Are you on the rule side? A rule focus means people tend to rules over relationships, policies over people, Rules will remain, but relationships come and go. Or the opposites, relationship over rules. Signing a contract is the start of a relationship, and the way a relationship proceeds is dependent on what becomes more or less important along the way. It's more right. situational. <sighs> wow. I know is... people on both sides of that spectrum, but I didn't know it was culture. Yeah, yeah, no, me too. I, I, I remember reading at this one and realizing that my personal preference in my brain was relationships. But I actually work more or function more in rules because that's counterculturally what I've been learned, you know, to to see what is the rules. And I don't particular I'm not a person that particularly loves every rule and follows them straight to line. Um, and as we talked before uh, one time ago uh, during the pandemic, I identified myself as that rule adapter, <laughs> not a rule breaker. Yeah. But a rule adapter, you know, and understanding this and, and understanding that this is something that motivates and moves your decision making was a huge aha moment for me. Uh -huh. You know, just knowing that because of how I see the rules, I make the decisions not just for me, but for everybody else, too. Yep. You know, oh, it's so good. There's so much to dive into. Um, the next one is planning. Are you a time person or a people person? Like, what, which, which side do you, again, North American is pretty time-oriented. You're going to start at 3 o'clock because the meeting starts at 3 o'clock. <laughs> 3 o'clock is it. And whether you're there or not at 3 o'clock. And if you're not there, it's a sign of disrespect. Whereas in Ecuador, just culturally, it's people-oriented. You start when the critical mass of people come, and you believe the best of those people, and it would be disrespectful to start without them. And if you are starting a meeting with lots of people, you know, 30 people that are invited and you only have 10, sometimes you can even cancel the meeting and you reschedule it to some some other time where everybody, the, all those 30 people invited can actually be there. And you that, cancel things according to how many people show up. And this is one of the things that is really challenging stretching across mm -hmm. the dimension. If you are a time person, a people-focused person, you do more than one activity at a time and see interruptions as completely normal. But if you're time-focused, you only do one thing at the time and you keep appointments strictly. <laughs> like, it's just... It's happening. And, and when you have a multicultural team that you have some people who are threes on three is the, the like zeros in the middle. And then you go out on each side to a negative one or a positive one or a negative two, a positive two, okay, stretching out that dimension, stretching across the dimension. We have people that are so people oriented and there's people that are so time, time -oriented. oriented. And how do we stop and appreciate the gifts of people on both sides? The next one, 10 is communication, direct communication versus indirect communication. Um, 
I'm a product of my, of my upbringing, that direct communication, honesty and communication. You gotta, you gotta say what you mean and mean what you say. Exactly. Yeah. Same for me. Like because of all that oppression that I left before when I was little, now I'm very direct in what I feel, how I feel it and what I need. You know, communicating those things is very important. It doesn't mean that I am direct all the time. There's some times where I prefer not to say some things. But when I'm asked and I have to look for, you know, look for myself or like take care of myself, I just directly say what I feel. And I am a two here in direct two. You and I are on the same. But the indirect style is have a strong desire to serve the relationship through their words and communication and focus not just on what is said, but also how it's said. And that, that indirect, and there's a time and place for indirect communication Absolutely. as well. And, but what is your, if you are working with someone who has an indirect communication preference and you come in as direct, it just feels like an attack and it shuts them down. You can't get anywhere. It's like, so how do, yes. how do I temper my directness to be indirect, I think my husband's the king of indirect communication <laughs> with, with joking, but he can, he, can, he can change the environment of a room mm-hmm. and generally f- for laughter and better and jovialness by just some well-placed indirect mm-hmm. comments that are <laughs> fun and playful and joking. Whereas if someone said the same thing directly, it could be almost offensive, but because he's doing it indirectly, he's mastered as an Ecuadorian, he's mastered that ability to, to help shape the, the environment through an indirect communication style. We have two more, um, real quick. One is, uh, your sense of accountability. Are, are you accountable to a community or are you accountable to yourself as an individual? The whole spot right. one end of the spectrum is community and the other end of the spectrum is individual. individual. The individual, they had, there's a little um, lone cowboy on the individual side. <laughs> <laughs> the Lone Ranger. And the Lone Ranger and the accountability is as a group. And Ecuador is culturally accountable to the community. Right. Which is why we've even designed and why the program works so well here is because it's community pressure to make sure people hand in their their receipts, make sure they hand in their, um, the proof of how they've spent the micro scholarship money. And if someone doesn't hand in their receipt, the whole community doesn't get the next installment of the scholarship until they do is uses that community pressure because it's clear that the community is responsible for the community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I grew up and I scored very high on the individuals, like, no, I, I'm responsible to and for myself and mm-hmm. nothing, nobody else. Right. right. And people right. think I'm really strange. <laughs> and we saw that um, when we were, when we saw like the pandemic and people using masks. Mm-hmm. Here in Ecuador, you use a mask so that you can protect the people around you. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's your responsibility to protect yes. the people around you. Yes, that was way more important. And that was the huge discussion. Like, how do we protect those that are vulnerable? Um, whether in other, um, other, indivi- other individual. Um, Listic kind Country. of culture, you uh-huh. know, and mindsets, you would just do it so that you can protect yourself. And it's up to them to protect themselves. Uh-huh. It's, you... it's up to them. They can decide. They know what they're doing, but you just are aware that you have to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. The last one um, is status. Is status ascribed or achieved? Mm-hmm. That was a very... 
hard one to understand for me. And I, I grew up knowing, I grew up being taught, and so my cultural per- preference is more on the achieved side. Like you, it's up to you what you what you get. And so, yes. looking at our students, like it's up to you. You have to study. You have to. But this is inside a culture that is more ascribed. Like if you have a title, if you're the pastor, everyone calls you pastor. Hmm. They don't even call you Pastor Fabian. They just call you pastor. Like your importance, your status is ascribed. It has been given to you by someone higher than you. And it goes back into that alignment, that power of fear model. I mean, that's what I know here in in Latin America. Mm -hmm. And so what do you believe? Do you believe that it is ascribed? Or is it achieved? Because cultural is also very generational. We are seeing also a new generation of Ecuadorians that are looking for something that they want to, you know, they want to break what they've been taught. They want to create something new and they they want to achieve something different. And they're not letting their culture ascribe them, you know. That's something that I've seen too, that because of generations changing some things, we also see that in the in the same culture, in the same um, region, we can see a different aspect because the generation is changing that. Mm-hmm. And I'm very proud to say that we are seeing many students in our program that are breaking those, you Source know, of barriers. bonds mm-hmm. uh-huh, and trying to achieve some things because that's what they have realized that they can do. And and the definition that knowledge works provide ascribed style means that people have a strong guidelines for appropriate behavior based on role and rank and they sh- they show respect and do not challenge those in power mm-hmm. so it's not like you're ascribed and you're the victim because they've been ascribed the power it's how you interact with, with the system mm-hmm. around you. Whereas the achieve sound connects status to what you achieve and you be self-directed and achievement focused. So again, it's not like the like there's one that's right or wrong. It's how you prefer to interact with power that's prevalent right. around you. Absolutely. Jorito, thanks for that. We went a little long. Thanks so much for uh, diving into these cultural Absolutely. things. So like, interesting and to see how it plays out and how it forms decisions we make and how we move um, with our in ministry sites with our students. It's just, it's really cool. So thanks for taking the time to do this. Absolutely. And thank you, Cameron, for seeing this incredible, incredible information and being willing to just apply it to everything that we do in Equals Age because it's really important. Thanks so much. If you'd like to be a part of our team, please go to educationwillshope.org and find the Donate Now button. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to our Hopecast. If you want to join the mission or know more about it, please visit our webpage, www.educationequalshope.org, or check our YouTube channel and Instagram with the same name.